Welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I am Joel A. Erickson. I am joined by Nate Atkins. Uh, we are still in Indianapolis. We're taping this on Wednesday, but we fly out uh, on Thursday for Germany. Both of us are going to see the Colts take on the Patriots, uh, the latest installment of what was once a very intense rivalry, and I think for fans probably still is, playing out in Frankfurt, Germany. It's a New England home game that they're losing, uh, but it's also maybe a game that they're uh, to my understanding, is, is a little bit of a home game for them. There's a lot of Patriots fans in Germany, from my understanding, based on how the game has grown over the last decade or so and who the team that was really good for a long time during that time. Um, the Colts have a couple guys from this region on their roster, and in talking to them, it sounds like Patriots were just on TV a lot. They were in the playoffs. They were in Super Bowls. That, that's the team they saw the most of. So there's a lot of Patriots fans over there. Uh, Colts obviously have been pretty good on the road this year, so maybe that maybe that helps them. Uh, the two players, uh, Marcel Dabo, uh, the safety, who is a part of the International Player Pathway Program, is from Germany. Uh, unfortunately, found out today, Marcel Dabo will not play this, this weekend, cannot play this weekend. He suffered a meniscus injury in practice uh, two weeks ago. He's still going on the trip. He'll still be able to see his family. Uh, it sounds like he's still going to get some attention from the German media, but he's not going to be able to play. I was kind of hoping for a practice squad elevation for him to get him on the field, uh, you know, it, make his NFL debut in Germany, in his home country. Would have been an incredible story. Not going to happen. The player who, you know, barring an injury setback in practice over the next two days, the player who will be playing on Sunday is is Austrian Bernard Ryman, the left tackle. He's the first Austrian ever picked in the NFL draft. Uh, most of his family doesn't hasn't gotten to see him play, and at least in the NFL, they they saw him play with, for the Vienna Vikings when he was in Austria as a, as a kid growing up. Um, but they haven't seen him play in the NFL. A lot of them are coming. He's he gets a chance to show his stuff, show how far he's come here in front of not quite a home audience but as close as as close as it's come for him so knock on wood here hopefully hopefully the story gets to play out nicely for bernard you know getting to play this full game back there um especially you know especially for him coming back this year compared to where he was at this stage last year like this could be a pretty cool moment for him to especially think about what i think about with him is the opponent so the patriots game last year was the hardest he took any game that's when they had gave up nine sacks. They weren't all in the O line, of course, but the O line internalized that. They fire Frank Reich the next day or overnight, basically, into the next day. And I remember Chris Ballard told a story about how Bernard Ryman was just bawling on his way to the bus, feeling like this was his fault. So to think a year later, basically at the same time in the season, same opponent, but he's going back overseas to play in front of family. And now we don't talk about him much on this podcast and that's a good thing because the left tackle is one of the fewest concerns that this team has and that I think that just shows kind of how far he's come yeah he's got 18 people coming uh that's the tickets that he's got I, I don't know if there's I think he said there might be a couple people who bought their own but he's got 18 people coming I talked to his friend uh, I talked to his best friend in the world a guy who we played with in Vienna uh a couple of days ago this is all in the story on adstar.com there'll be a lot more in there too but just um they're all going to be in a row. I I'm secretly oh. I'm secretly hoping that the, every single one of them is wearing a 79. <laughs> I would enjoy that very very much. Um, we'll have the you'll have the binoculars out watching that. Oh, row. I will absolutely be looking. Yeah, 
No, the the an international game is is like prime uh, stands watching for me because they so many people wear so many different jerseys, which I think we've just discussed this. I don't believe in that uh, in America, but it's fine overseas. Yeah, I think we have to kind of change our standards for the international. It's like normally we normally we have a lot of takes on the podcast about like the the vintage jersey game for like the home teams like kind of hard to hold the people in europe to like a vintage standard like a lot of them are just football is getting so much bigger over there which is fun and i i'm just excited to kind of see the energy of of that because my brief experience so far with european fans who are like europeans who are becoming big into the football they have such this kind of bright energy and bright joy to them they're not as grizzled and uh cynical as the uh the fans have gotten over here and uh Certainly, Colts fans are have reason to have gotten that way over the past few years. But I'm just it'll be interesting to see just sort of the the excitement that they have, especially the fact that we hear that what they love over there is all the special teams plays. Like they love because of the soccer background, they love the anything with the kicking game. And so maybe this is a game where ooh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm going to go ahead and probably name Matt Gay the hero of the game if he can deliver and be what he's been because he might be the most celebrated player over there if he uh, kicks as well there as he's kicked here yeah the cheers for things like kicks and punts at the Eng- the game i covered in london the saints game i covered in london uh were much higher like you could tell people were actually paying attention to it as opposed to like there's kind of a a lull whenever there's a kick uh definitely when there's a punt and here here in the states well, it'll be interesting to see if that's true in germany i think germany and austria have a little more entrenched history with American football. They, that's where the leagues are. A lot of the teams in the leagues are, are over in that area. Um, but obviously, it's it's still not it's still not the, the anywhere near the primary sport. But both both Ryman and Dabo were telling me that it's it's growing exponentially there, um, to the point that I, I think I think one of the interesting things is that like Bernard Ryman playing over there, he doesn't really want to like get into this and i understand it because it's it's putting a big responsibility on yourself like he's going to be one of the stars of the game oh yeah because the fan the fans over there are going to realize like not just the 18 that are there with him but they're realizing like this is somebody from here who made it um and 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 made it through a different way of getting there than like the international player pathway program which is honestly proven incredibly hard to actually make an nfl roster through Mm. um ryman's way of coming over as an exchange student in high school, getting a scholarship, and then getting drafted is uh, is different. And it's worked out better for him. And it's probably um, – I had somebody suggest to me the other day that it probably changes the way football players in Europe think about how they could get to the NFL. Like, do you even want to try for the player pathway program? Or is the, the, better, the better try is to get over here for college and then get drafted? Yeah, and the fact that he also came just before that for high school, right? He finished high school in Michigan. Uh, yeah, that's that's what they mean by the exchange yeah, program. You yeah. do your exchange program in high school, catch the attention of a college, and then it's sort of like the Boulder route because that's like you're settling on a sport. You know, as a high school student leaving your country to go chase that dream, kind of, kind of betting on yourself in that way more than just once that opportunity arises you know, through the pathway program, but 
but yeah, it could pay off. So it'd be interesting to see how many how many players want to take the plunge to doing that. It is a fascinating story for Ryman, and we've just even though he's only in his second year, we've just seen both incredible levels of high and low out of him already. And I feel like this is going to be a moment that he's going to remember forever because it'll, it'll, he was always going to have this game. Uh, well, once the schedule came out this year and they were picked for this game, he knew he was going to come here. Uh, and was he going to arrive there as, you know, a guy that they're trying to play around like they were last year? Or is he going to arrive here as, as kind of a stalwart, which is what he's been so far this season? Uh, but his entire story shows kind of the values of a, of someone from over there betting on themselves as a high school player and being willing to go through the ups and downs. And, and his has been even crazier than most are going to go through with when you add in like, you know, COVID and what that did to everything and the position switches he did in the middle of COVID when, you know, you don't really have in-person training and just, it'll be interesting to see how that, I know he's, he wants to downplay some of it because like you said, he doesn't want to put too much responsibility on himself but we're going to get to see that not only during the game but he's going to talk to the media on friday and i think that'll be very interesting because it's there's like four of us reporters from here in indy that are going over there but the vast majority is going to be you know english media or european media i should say and uh you know he's going to be a big story for them um are there any german foods you're particularly interested in in partaking in mm, well i was just on with uh jay query and uh he was talking up the chocolate scene and said we have to go for chocolates that had not been as much on my radar i was thinking more about the meats in germany but now that he he got me kind of thinking about about the chocolate scene i'm gonna have to try some of that i'm from wisconsin it's about it's about the versts <laughs> it's about the sausages. Yeah, I mean sausages. I I've been thinking about that ever since this game came out. So um, I have not been thinking about it that long. I give you credit for for looking that for for being that forward thinking about it. Also heard that the uh, Ryman gave us the the rundown today. Uh, I also I I giggled at this question, but it turns out like so schnitzel is sort of the the famous one that everyone talks about, and. Uh, an unnamed reporter who shall remain unnamed just in case it, this is an embarrassing uh, thing. They, they asked him if it, you know, how does schnitzel compare to like a pork tenderloin? Cause we're in Indiana. <laughs> and I, I will fully admit I'm not, I don't have a good poker face if I'm in the background of, of interviews. I try not to be for that reason. Uh, but I started giggling uh, and I, I looked it up. I looked up schnitzel I mean, it, it does it does kind of look like a tenderloin, <laughs> for being honest. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's veal. It's not pork. Yeah. Like it, it's, it looks like it looks like a tenderloin without the bun. So, so Indiana and Germany shaking hands. Yeah, basically the food. same. Basically the same two places. From a football perspective, I think the thing that I keep thinking about most this week, um, and, and going into this Patriots game, this Patriots team is not good at all. They're nope. very bad. They have the worst record in the AFC, I believe. Yes, um, they do. But I am still looking at this as a dangerous game, particularly because uh, I am I'm interested to see if the Colts can find an answer for these very, very heavy fronts that teams are playing against their running game. Um, because I, it feels to me like something that's that's like that's a layup for Belichick. If he has, if he's seen you do something 
and you know, and we I, I don't want to get into all of like what's going on with New England. I don't cover the Patriots. I don't know if he's going to get fired or not. Um, but in terms of Belichick, he's he's still somebody who I think one of his coaching hallmarks is if you're not good at something, he will force you to do that over and over and over and over again. So I'm I'm really interested to see if this is another game where we see a bare front. Do we see you know seven basically seven down linemen with five defensive linemen and two linebackers all at the line of scrimmage and a safety playing up and just daring them to beat them in the passing game? We haven't really seen the Colts have a lot of success against that particular look yet. Um, and they're going to have to because if if it keeps going like that, then every team – I shouldn't say every team because we saw the Browns ignore it um, after the Jaguars had so had so much success. But a lot of teams are going to start doing it to them. And, and I, I, I do think – I do think there is some concern within the offense just from talking to players about their ability to get teams out of those fronts. Yeah, and I think for Belichick, what I go back to is two years ago when he played this Colts team, they completed five. Colts completed five passes and beat him, largely because Jonathan Taylor ran wild and put the game away with you know, like a sixty-five yard run there at the end of the game, and that was a play where Belichick brought he thought you know he was trying to manipulate the numbers, brought the safety in on a run blitz and dot to Hightower on a run blitz, but those were second level, and it gave just enough of an opportunity for Jonathan Taylor to do what he was doing that season, which is make one guy miss, cut it, and just leave everyone in the dust. And what teams are doing now is they're making it so hard for him to even kind of get going by dominating that front and taking away the double teams and kind of creating those initial walls. And I expect Belichick to, to take that and force you know the rest of that this Colts team to beat him you think about this passing game they they're going through it right now with a backup quarterback where they've had this balance between do they try and open it up for big plays and risk turnovers or do they uh for two games they had eight turnovers or do they really scale it back and play safe and protect the ball like the past two games where they've had one turnover and just really struggle to get explosive plays the thing is the explosive plays that they're kind of leaning on in that second ladder model is through Jonathan Taylor. So I think Bill Belichick's going to try and take him away, make someone else be that be that star. And it's a Colts passing game that we'll see if they have Josh Downs or we'll see how capable and healthy he is. They had him last week, but he certainly didn't look right and then didn't last a half in the game. You know, and and not only that, but they're you know they're they're on the road. They're in Germany. They've you've got the jet lag. It's it's a type of game that should be really hard for this Colts passing game on paper. So I think that's the type of moment where Belichick's going to put it on that passing game to find the answers, or at least early in the game prove that they can throw out of these fronts. And uh, so far in the still limited sample, but the two games where teams have played this way with the you know, bare front or diamond front, five or seven guys on the line of scrimmage. Uh, the Colts have not thrown teams out of that. So I think at this point, Belichick, especially for a Patriots team that doesn't have that many other ways to win, I fully expect that to be the approach that Belichick takes, and we'll see what adjustments the Colts can make to get out of it. Yeah, you you were very charitable there. You said the it puts the pressure on the rest of the Colts offense. You could have just said Carter Minshew. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> the defense, or from a defensive standpoint, 
the Patriots. I I will admit this. I have not seen a single snap of Patriots football so far this season. Not live. I mean, that's crazy to think about. Like, just based on where they were uh, when they had Brady. But like, I have there's there's no reason to watch them at all. Um, but I have nope. noticed that it seems like when they've had success or been in games, it's been with their running attack. Um, and that that's a concern. We saw Grover Stewart today. He's back. It's halfway through his suspension, so he's allowed to be back by NFL rule to start training and getting in shape. But he's not playing in Germany. And, you know, they didn't look great against Carolina. They didn't look great the week before that as a run defense. There, there's some issues – that, that the Patriots could maybe exploit in this defense with the suspension and injuries that they're dealing with. Zaire Franklin, I, I, though, although, does appear to be – I think he's in better – I think he's in decent shape this week. Yeah, they thought they would have him last yeah. week. Late in the week, something turned or it didn't progress like they thought. They had him doubtful, and then they ruled him out uh, right before the game. So you'd think an extra week would help get him out there, but we'll see how – you know, does he look the same? It just stresses those other parts when you don't have Grover Stewart up front. I Maybe, you know, Eric Johnson is the one other nose tackle they have. Maybe an extra week out helps his ankle. I don't know. Uh, but that's – they are hobbled up the middle right now. Injuries to even the guys that are out there, if it's Eric Johnson and Zaire Franklin, neither of those guys you would think are going to be 100%. And so, yeah, I think especially when you <laughs> – like the Panthers blew that game, quite frankly, with the pick sixes where they were running the ball well, and then they had a rookie quarterback get loose. And, and credit to DeForest Buckner and Kenny Moore for taking advantage and taking you know taking it as far as you can go and getting the pick sixes. But I think you know if you're the Patriots and you're looking at that game in preparation of this one, you're trying to keep Mac Jones out of those situations, and you lean on that run game, and especially this is where depends on the flow of the game but if it goes the way that kind of we've been talking about this where it's very low scoring you feel okay just sort of leaning on the run and and not really forcing it uh it's kind of how I remember the game last year felt like early on in the game and this is when the Patriots had a different offense coordinator it was Matt Patricia but they were trying to push for these explosive plays and taking sacks and then they realized about a quarter and a half in that the Colts offense was just imploding and why put any risk at all into this it's basically what the Colts did with against the Panthers last week on offense where they just let the Panthers kind of self-destruct I don't know it's one of these games where we got to see which offense is sort of doing the self-destructing or if they're both just sort of engaging in this you know this very low scoring battle of field goals and punts or or whatnot but I just I I have a feeling the Patriots at this point in the season know what they are and mostly they know what they're not and if you look at this Coles team right now, it's just like I think it's an easy game plan on that other side of the ball where you use the bare front to suffocate the run game. On the other, and then against the Colts defense, I think you got to run right at Grover Stewart's backup at this, you know, at Zaire Franklin, who's maybe not 100, percent and kind of live that way rather than put the ball at risk of Defor- what DeForest Buckner and Kenny Moore can do coming off the game they just had. Eric Johnson's uh, injury was initially described to me as a high ankle sprain. I don't know if that offer. I don't know what that means. Offers any insight, but that's what it was initially described to me as. I think one of the other things is the Patriots have very little talent on the outside left. Mm-hmm. Kendrick Bourne is hurt. Um, I don't. 
No. Well, we don't get our. We're, we're taping this before we get our first injury report of the week. Devontae Parker missed last week with a concussion. Juju Smith-Schuster was pretty much the only guy they had. It's it's not a team with a lot of talent on the outside. In addition to their Mac Jones issues, so mm-hmm. um, you'd think this is another game that the defense should have a a pretty good week against because. One of the places that people attack has been the corner spot with Daryl Baker Jr. The last two teams, though, Carolina and now New England, they don't really have the guys to take advantage of that matchup, either at quarterback or at wide receiver. And and so th- maybe that maybe that issue is minimized a little bit with just what the what we're dealing with with the Patriots' offense as a passing game. Yeah, I think on paper it's a good matchup for the Colts for those reasons. You know, the one stable player who's healthy for sure going to play as a pass catcher for the Patriots is Juju Smith-Schuster and he plays in the slot so that's where you'll have Kenny Moore that's what helped in the matchup against the uh, Panthers is that their one stable player was Adam Thielen who's a slot player and they were not able to really expose what's going on on the outside Uh, so I don't know maybe this you know if, if Maybe the Patriots will – I'm sure they'll try it a little bit because of the success other teams have had going against Daryl Baker Jr. Uh, but it does depend on, on who's out there, how like how much do they get to practice this week. Um, and then that kind of feeds into like how much do you re- put the ball in harm's way, you know, trying to expose that weakness. That's kind of what the Panthers ran into where they were running so well, but they wanted to have this balance and occasionally explosive offense, and it blew up in their face and created explosive plays for the Colts' defense. So it is a game where the two defenses on paper have you know, pretty significant edges. Um, and I think the one thing that the Patriots have to try and do, like we just said, is is just run Ramondre Stevenson behind that offensive line, right at uh, the kind of backups and, and injured players that the Colts have in their run defense and you know maybe just take some occasional shots at that outside corner spot. I'm trying to think about what else to look at with this game. It's it's pretty. This is it, like we're we're kind of in the middle of the season now. The, there's no new injuries coming back. We we don't. It's a walkthrough today. We're not going to get a whole lot of insight. It's actually going to be a weird week for you and me in terms of trying to keep our eyes on injuries because there's no practice today. They did a walkthrough today, and then we will be flying already tomorrow when the practice happens. And then on Friday, it's also a walkthrough. So we actually, yeah. you and I actually will not see any injury information whatsoever outside of the reports. Nope, we'll just have to rely on Shane to lay them all out on Friday. Uh, that's a joke. He's not going to do that. So we'll get the injury report on Friday. Uh, the one thing I think about with this game, though, is I guess probably a lot of this is how they end up looking. But I feel like they're heading to the bye week the next week and that's a huge you know self-scout moment that's for everyone that tends to be sort of a moment you step back and evaluate what this season is and isn't and if this team finds a way to win and they're five and five and you know they've won two in a row I think they can go into that bye week at least feeling like something's out there even if they aren't pretty wins even if you know because the Panthers won you know was mostly two pick sixes but it helps in a building when you are mathematically in in it for something and you feel like you have solutions you can find and they're not going to find them all because Anthony Richardson's hurt but like Juju Brent's coming back you know and Zaire eventually getting Grover Stewart back like there's things you can talk yourself into of how this can maybe build if they don't win this game though and all of a sudden they've lost four to five games and 
they're four and six. They, you know, you'd have to win all but like one or two games like it to make the playoffs. I think this game, it's it, it kind of feels like if they're going to have any sort of chance to stay in the playoff hunt, this kind of feels like a must win. If you can't beat the Patriots, this version of the Patriots, uh, it's going to be hard to talk yourself into a whole lot more. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Four, four and six in this AFC uh, is is not a good spot to be. Uh, as as it stood last week, I think at the end of the week, um, I can look this up. But I think I think there were nine teams over five hundred at the end of week nine. Yeah, yeah. there's some right at five hundred too. Um, which is is daunting if you are under five hundred. You get to four and six too. Just I think in the I think in the NFC you could feel like maybe you have a better chance to to string a couple together and get back in it. But the AFC, it just it's just been a um, there, there's just a lot of teams because right now basically every team in the AFC North is in the playoffs if the if it was mm-hmm. to start today, um, and so yes, yeah, so what they, what you've got is there are actually eight teams. There are eight teams that are over five hundred in the AFC. There are three teams. That are 500 right now, hmm. and that's 11 teams. <laughs> so if you drop to four and six, you are really behind it. Yeah, especially of, since the Jaguars are out in front by a lot. Yeah, by they're, a lot. they're way out in front. Yeah, in terms of the division, uh, especially since they have the head-to-head over the Colts. So, um, and like I said, some of it will depend, of course, on how they win, how they were to win, or how they look. I think one thing that's like you're looking for optimism and things to kind of buy into. If if this, even though, like we said, I, I expect Belichick to make this very hard, but if this were to be the game that Jonathan Taylor gets rolling again or at least has some explosive plays, if that's the reason why you win, I think there's a way that you can look at this and say, okay, Anthony Richardson's not coming back. The passing game is going to have some limitations, but they have you know one of the most electric backs in football and – that guy can create the type of explosive plays that most backs can't that can supplement for what you don't have in the passing game. That's kind of where they were two years ago, you know, when they started nine and six and they, you know, they couldn't finish the deal at the end of that season, but they had a passing game that that second half of the year, they were trying to work around and it worked for a bit against the Cardinals, Bills and Patriots until, you know, caught up to them. But there is, there is at least a precedent with players on this team of like, if they can get back to being that style of downhill running team with explosive run plays from the, you know, from a from a superstar running back, you know, and then kind of man have a coach that can kind of manage within that, find ways to protect the ball, and then and then that's that's really where the defense will have to to be more than it's been over the past month. Um, again, like I, st- there, there's things that will help them out when they get Juju Brents back out there. Eventually, Grover Stewart. They but they. They're going to have to go win this game for them too on on Sunday, but I do think if they can hit into the bye and they feel like they've got they're back to that running team that, uh, you know, I think there's at least something they can talk themselves into that that has gotten them to be a contending team in the past. Okay, so this is where I'm going to end the podcast. I I got the first impressions podcast out late. Uh, I didn't. I missed a a permission check to get up, get it to our our crack sound guy Clark Wade. Uh, I offered to run gassers. 
good good friend of the podcast, Kevin Kosenko, VV Jones on Twitter, suggested that instead of uh, instead of doing that, he wants a cover zero level take from me. Mm. And I've spent two days thinking about what the, what like a good cover zero level take. All right. I kind of want to see the Sam Ellinger version of the Shane Steichen offense. Ooh. I don't even know what it would look like. I just want to see You're it. Calling for a benching. Soft. <laughs> I just want to see. I just want to like see. Like a like a package or a full uh I don't I don't I don't even know. I just I'm curious. I'm curious what uh, and and realistically based on the statistical profile we've seen so far, it may look pretty similar to what we're seeing now. I mean, last year when Ellinger played, it was not very many yards per attempt, not a lot downfield. Uh he the one thing though he does have is he doesn't quite have the same pocket skittishness and he is better on the move. And, and you can design a few runs for him. I mean, and that part of it didn't come together last year, but that was also I found that a little harder to like their offensive line was such a disaster last year and Jonathan Taylor I think he played one of those two games he started, so there is something to be said for running some of these RPO concepts with a quarterback that can threaten to keep it, uh, you know, at least make the defense think about that. So, yeah, I mean, if it is going to start to be a conversation if, you know, if things happen the way they've happened over the past few games where it's either turnovers or no production, you know, at some point, um, yeah, I think that I think it's a I, fair take. I, I, think, I think that – what makes it a cover zero level take is I just I don't think there's any chance of it happening, like in real life. I, I I've never gotten the sense from Steichen, again, not that he's he's great with that stuff, um, and maybe maybe I need to make sure I, I give my uh, little interlude from earlier, um, as as kind of a joking thing at the end of this. But um, he's never given any indication that Ellinger was had a chance at playing. I I don't know maybe I. Can, I just kind of want to see it. I just kind of want. I want to see what he come up with. I want to see if it'd be different. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't in that. I don't think he's considered it because <laughs> up until whatever that was, halfway through training camp, where they named Anthony Richardson the starter, it was Richardson versus Minshew. It wasn't a three way battle. Uh, Minshew's the guy they brought in because you know he's worked for Steichen for the past two seasons. Uh, <laughs> I don't know though. It's 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 been an interesting evolution though. I think of how Shane has trusted, leaned on Gardner, where they were very aggressive a few weeks ago. Stopped being so aggressive the past two weeks, and uh, yeah, in terms of like opening things up, there is at least in the run game. I think there's a little bit more you could open up with Sam, uh, but it will probably take an injury to actually see it. I think I think this this take comes from being so excited about seeing all the stuff they were doing with Richardson and then losing losing <laughs> it. Maybe that might be where it's coming from. But but yeah, I I, I owed I owed you guys I owed you guys something from from not getting the first impressions pot up. It, that's 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 from the dark recesses of my brain. I, it, it's been rattling around there for a couple of weeks now. Like, what would it look like? Would it be any different? Maybe not. It is a good Maybe. cover zero take. It's because it's it's unlikely that it would happen, 
but you certainly could never say never about Sam Ellinger being forced into being a starter <laughs> on a team. And it's not always about if the coach wants it. So uh, we will have to see how it plays out. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so uh, a slightly uh, a slightly lighter cover. Well, I don't know if this is a cover zero take. This is maybe more of a, a an actual take. Uh, so I believe the journalist's name is Simon Halop. Um, from last week, uh, if if you saw the Mike McDaniel viral, uh, oh yeah, that was fun. Viral question about the scheme and all the influences and stuff like that. Um, so I have a prediction on that. If he does the same thing with, uh, with Shane. He will not. He will not get an answer. That's my prediction. My prediction is. Well, I, I think Shane might grin a little bit and acknowledge, like he might like head nod, and then he will not say anything else. Yeah, the ratio of words exchanged in that will be like ninety nine to one. Yeah. Uh, also, also, if he does answer a question like that over there, I will be furious. Uh. <laughs> I'll be furious. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I've been trying to get anything, any little morsel of his thoughts on offensive scheme beyond just the, like, and granted, guys, like, I know you can look it up, but I, I like to, I, you want the coach's insight on why they're doing it, the, that kind of thing, you know, where their influences came from. I, I'd like to hear it from their mouth, why they like to do it. I have been trying since he got hired. And not just in the press conferences you guys have seen. There have been some interview requests. There, I've been trying to give you give you guys something that's a window into his influences, his scheme, that kind of thing. And I, I think I think I may have gotten like I think the the the, the value of what I've gotten back from him on that is might be negative. <laughs> T- today today I asked so I was trying to ask something very. Very, very, very basic. Because I've been trying to give him outs. Because his whole thing is he doesn't want to say anything that might help the defense. Which I, I, I get. That's fine. Okay, whatever. Uh, a lot of coaches feel that way. So I've been trying to figure out ways to get him to say something that doesn't necessarily give a hint to the defense. And today I was asking about just, you know, they've been playing against these heavy fronts. Can they, uh, it, you know, obviously you want to throw out of it, but that hasn't been working. Are there ways to run through it? That's that's me thinking about 2021 when everybody in the second half of the season knew that Jonathan Taylor was getting the ball, that they didn't want to throw Carson Wentz. And they, they had some games, of the Patriots game is a good example, where they were able to run the ball anyway. <sighs> that was the gist of the question I asked. The I was going to say, I, was, I feel like the question, the way you laid out, is always a lot longer than the answer. The answer, the answer was... Uh, you gotta have a good ski, and the volume change there in my voice that that mimics the volume change in in Shane's voice. It's I. I'll be furious. I'll be furious <laughs> if there's like a super detailed answer. I mean, I will I will use it immediately. Uh, I will I will immediately file it away and try to figure out a way to use it. But I'll be furious if that happens. That reporter has to sign an agreement to be on every Monday Zoom. <laughs> to then ask Shane more questions that can help us understand uh, some of the offense scheme and influences. Furious uh, if it if it happens. I 
I uh, I, I kind of hope it does happen. I'm I'm very interested in it happening. It's it's kind of it's kind of a catch twenty two because there's part of me that if the question gets asked, I want him to get the same. No offense to this reporter, I really love I, I love the stuff he was asking McDaniel. I love the work he put in to get there. Uh, I, there's part of me that wants him to that wants Dykin to give the same answer, so that I, j- I know it's not just about me. <laughs> 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 there's also part of me on the other side, as, as mad as I would be if he gives a good answer, that would I kind of want that because then I would actually have some like thought from him to work on, um, in some way, shape, or form. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I saw the exchange. Well, it'll also give us a blueprint that if it actually works and that reporter gets that kind of a question answer out of it, you just have to change your style to fit how that guy asks. Simon very Clancy. very de- very detailed and long winded questions. Simon Simon Clancy, that's his name. So uh, anyway, I I I don't know what's going to happen with it. Just. Just know if you start seeing stuff go viral that somewhere in Germany I'm beside myself. Joel's <laughs> <laughs> planning to try the German beers anyway. Bes- beside but myself. The amounts could change based on that answer. Uh, we're going to get going. We've got stuff to do before we get on our planes tomorrow. Once we're on our planes, uh, there won't be much to do. <laughs> These overseas no. flights, there's not a lot to do. Uh, what? Okay, so what's your plane movie strategy? We'll, we'll end with this. Your long, long flight movie strategy. I don't usually watch them on short flights. That's the thing. I'm try. I need to come up with that very soon because usually my game plan. I feel like the longest flight we ever have is like two hours anymore, and I'm I'm always a book guy, but I'm not going to read the book for like eight hours. So I need to mix a movie in there. Well, the problem with okay, so it depends on how fast you read. But the problem with like mo- like trying to read through an eight hour flight. Now we're. I'm gonna try to sleep too, but like if on the way back, it's kind of hard to. Uh, yeah. So the problem with reading a book on that flight is you have to carry so you have to carry multiple books onto the plane in your luggage that's already packed with stuff you're trying to get to this place. Like that. That for me is the issue with books. Like I will finish. I can start and finish a book. Oh, I got some suggestions for time. you to fix that. Have you well, ever read Ulysses? No, no, no. But see, the thing about those is, like, how am I going to fit that in my computer bag? Yeah, I, I did. I did manage to fit it in mine, and that's like a nine hundred fifty page novel. So that's what I'm going to be reading. But I still don't want to read it for eight hours straight. So I need to come up with a good movie. So my my plane movie strategy, because it's not it's not an ideal viewing experience. Uh. As somebody, well, I, I haven't. I've kind of gotten away from the movies, but uh, it's it's not that time of the year yet. It's when 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 certain sports are off. That's when I start going into my my cataloging everything. My plain movie strategy is to watch stuff that's entertaining but not that great. Mm. Like, uh, like one what like one of the Fast and the Furiouses. I know there are big fans of the Fast and Furiouses. But like well, something along those lines, like something super actiony, not a ton of plot. Like that's that's generally my a comedy that's not the like the the, the like smartest comedy. That's usually my plain strategy. So you don't have to be like super duper locked in. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. And you don't want like I mean some of the action scenes like some of the action scenes in those movies are really great, but like 
I don't know. You don't need like to have the big wide screen in front of you. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I feel like action is the safest one to do on that. You also don't want to be like crying on a plane. Uh, that happened to me once. That happened to me once. Like right after I took this job, actually, we were flying to uh, Oakland. It was like the third game that I covered after getting this job. And it was the it was the documentary on Mr. Rogers. And there was a question at the mm. end of that movie or the question at the end of that documentary that made me tear up. And luckily, uh, I had come along late. Everybody else had their tickets. They were much closer to the front of the plane than I was. Nobody I knew realized that I was tearing up on a plane. But you're right. You don't want to be. You don't want to get emotional on a plane. No, I will not be watching Marley and Me for that reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want anything that's going to make you like. Uh, you just don't want anything where you're going to be sobbing <laughs> next to a stranger on the plane, and they're looking at you like. Uh, what? Especially for this flight, because you may have like four more hours next to that person, and they're just <laughs> like, "What did I get into?" Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. That's that's another good reason is that you're by strangers. So like emotional stuff, emotional stuff is won't you be my neighbor is the documentary. Um, but yeah, no, it, there, there's a question at the end of that that I was like, uh, uh. yeah, I don't know how to handle this flight if I'm being honest, because <laughs> we're going to get in at like 8 a.m. local time and I don't know if we can get into a hotel or not. So there's got to be some sleep on this plane, but I'm. Normally, I'm good at sleeping on planes when I'm tired, but the time of day is like I'm a night owl, so I'm not sure how this is going to go. <laughs> the First Impressions podcast may be more uh, slap-happy than usual, because we don't really have enough time to turn it around either. Like Even the suggestions I've gotten from reporters who just got back, they don't seem that helpful. Like One of them's like, well, just, use a, just take a sleeping pill. And I'm like, I do that every night. That doesn't change anything for me, um, so... Yes, yeah, slap happy. It was first impressions. It'll be interesting. We'll have uh, we'll have great game day observations, and maybe the rest of it will be very slap happy. The, the good news, the good news is that next week is a bye week, so we have time to recuperate. Yes, for the Colts Cover Two podcast, uh, soon to be Germany edition. This has been Joel A. Erickson and Nate Atkins. Uh, We'll we'll try to explain it a little bit and give you maybe a little bit more of the experience. Um, might be a little hard though; they're not going for very long. Uh, we're, we've got, like I said, we've got some stuff coming out. We're going to do probably a lot more work towards the end of the week since they'll be in Germany than normal in terms of getting stories out. Keep your eyes on IndyStar.com for everything we've got. <laughs>